Hi, I'm Tom Zimmerman from EMDR's Third Weekend. This is a podcast about what to do when memories want to come, when you're working with a client with complex trauma, um, and how we might manage too much memory content wanting to come. It's a common enough situation that people bring to consultation. Um, They're having a client with complex trauma that's struggling somehow in reprocessing. They have plenty of activation, but not much resolution session after session. And then when we take the session apart, it sounds like the target memory is connecting to lots of other things, almost as though the client's trying to resolve a theme across, you know, multiple developmental eras. Often mixed up with all this, um, very often the client isn't just activating memory, memory, memory. They may also be pretty active trying to figure things out. And this is just a very, very common trauma strategy. I think we all do. That's kind of what rumination is, is trying to figure out, trying to figure out traumatic content. So when these, when this comes up in consultation, um, in a lot of ways, the therapist is doing what we've trained them to do, which is to stay out of the way and let things go where they need to go or to notice things as they as they come up or as connections are made and formed. Um, this is Shapiro's guidance, and there's a lot to be said for it if you're working with a relatively healthy person. Letting things go where they go, if you're working with a client with a really complex system, particularly early in their reprocessing, has a reasonable chance of sending them straight off a cliff. So understanding the difference between a complexly traumatized nervous system and a non-pervasively traumatized nervous system is really, really important, not just through the AIP lens, which I want to talk about now, but it's really, really important in how we're going to approach that nervous system. Our interventions and our approach has to match the nervous system that we're working with. It just has to. So if you've done any type of consultation with me, you know that I, I this is what you'd see me do over and over and over. In EMDR, if you want to do EMDR well, you need to understand where the magic is. And the magic is not that you can go up to any memory and dink it and it's going to resolve. That's not the magic of EMDR. The magic of EMDR is that we can connect any old stuck, maladaptive piece of information into right now existing adaptive information if there's enough of it. Okay? So one of the things that we know about if that's if that's what the magic is, the difficult stuff has to connect to right now existing adaptive information and that we can do that. We also know that our clients with complex trauma have an enormous amount of trauma. And because they've been in survival mode, they typically only have a small amount of adaptive information that that difficult stuff must connect with and metabolize into. So if you haven't heard me use the the metaphor before, there are podcast episodes about it. It's it's the boat metaphor. If a client has adaptive information the size of a canoe, we really need to be careful about what they hook 
because in this model, the difficult stuff has to connect to right now existing adaptive information, and you have to have enough of it. What that means is that you can't really land a fish bigger than your boat. Okay, Clients that are really healthy, but who have had some trauma, have adaptive information the size of a cruise ship. That's the privilege that a healthy nervous system um, affords you, is that you can hook and land every fish in your ocean because you have a boat big enough to land everything. The other privilege in, in having a non-pervasively traumatized nervous system is that the way you got that cruise ship is that you don't have an ocean full of monsters. Okay? Shapiro's also very clear that there's nothing in the eight-phase protocol that's going to generate the needed adaptive information just because you need it, right? So you need to have enough of it already. So metaphorically, there's nothing in EMDR that's going to somehow get you a bigger boat or give you a bigger boat just because you're hooked to a large fish. You have the boat you have, um, and there's nothing in EMDR that's going to automatically give you more of the needed information just because you need it. There's another metaphor that I like. Um, it, from the point of view of kind of putting all this together related to memory content um, and how we might need to work. So imagine a very, very large open space. Kind of, you know, pull up in your mind kind of an idea of a large sports stadium. Okay? And let's just imagine the huge field, whether it's football or, or what it is. Let's just imagine a huge field. And this field is the entire lifespan of the client up until this point. And what we're talking about is a client that's really healthy. So what that means is that field is almost completely clear and open. But as we survey the field, we see that there are just some piles of things on it. Okay? So if this is the client system that we're working with, we want to encourage the client to just walk around the field and pick up things. Right? Just sort them out, look at them, evaluate them, put them in a knapsack. And we don't want to micromanage that. Right? The client can walk around, form connections, and just knapsack the things, <clears throat> um, the things that come along. And everything in that knapsack can be resolved. If we over-intervene, we may be intervening in the client's work and slowing them down. And a lot of their work, to be honest, with people that have really healthy nervous systems, a lot of the work is the work in seeing those connections of how those kind of difficult piles of stuff connect and relate to each other, okay? So that's one scenario. Imagine another stadium, and this is the stadium of a complexly traumatized client. And instead of little piles scattered around the field, this stadium has been used for 46 years as a municipal dump. In fact, garbage bags, mattresses, food disposal, packaging are piled up so high that the whole inside of the stadium is filled to the highest seats to the very, very top of the stadium. 
Now what we're going to do is we're going to drop the client into the 37th yard line and put them 25 feet down into that pile with a knapsack. Do you see the problem here? Everything connects to everything else and it's also close. But yet we have this impulse to try to knapsack all of it. But there isn't the means. And this is one of the things that's really unfair about being on the receiving end of other people's stuff for decades. The mistake we make as therapists is that we consistently underestimate how much there is and how much the client can carry <clears throat> at any given time. So what is the problem if the client just opens up this memory, opens up this memory, opens up this memory? The problem is that if memory content comes in at a rate faster than their ability to digest, they can very quickly get pushed outside of their window of tolerance. And okay, well, how, let's back up a little bit. If you want to have, if that's the case, well, how do we, how do we, how do we find clients who have big windows of tolerance? Well, if you want to have a really big window of tolerance, it's really helpful to have had a really good life. Absent that, it can be a fair amount of work. Other podcast episodes are going to cover ways that we can help clients develop a bigger window of tolerance. All those, all those, these strategies do ask the client to sit with things that go or at least feel like they're going directly against their survival strategies. One of the fastest ways to bump a client out of their window of tolerance in EMDR therapy is to activate too much memory in too short of a span of time. Again, we need memory content to come in EMDR therapy. We need it to come, but we need it to come in a tolerable and digestible rate. If it doesn't, the client will metaphorically choke. And back to the AIP model, clients with complex trauma often have a much slower metabolization rate than non-traumatized clients. Back to the boat metaphor. If you have an eight-foot canoe and you're hooked to a 10-foot shark, you aren't going to land it, at least not right now. And it makes absolutely no sense if you're hooked to that 12-foot shark to also hook onto five tuna, two whales, and six other sharks. So, what this means, and, and I guess many people may not say it quite as directly as I do here, um, but I believe it. I've just seen it too many times. With clients with complex trauma, the more memory content they hook onto, the less likely any of it is to resolve or move in the session. I'm going to say that a little bit. Say that, just repeat it because it deserves repeating. With clients with complex trauma, the more memory content that they hook on to, that they bring into working memory, the more you bring into working memory, the less likely any of it is to resolve or move in this session. And our goal, it's don't, you know, our goal isn't just activation. Our goal is healing right? Our goal in all of this activation is healing. There are purists out there, and some of them can be pretty major trainers, and they will ride the stay out of the way mantra until clients collapse into a puddle of gel. 
they'll say, if it takes 20 sessions to clear this memory, then stay out of the way, and it takes 20 sessions. I don't work that way. I'm sure my clients wouldn't tolerate me working that way. And I'm not sure that Shapiro was nearly as much of a Shapiro purist as some therapists kind of uh, think that she was. Um, Shapiro herself offers a wide range uh, of forms of modification, enhanced resourcing, or restricted processing for clients with complex trauma and for clients with, with others in other special populations. So if you believe that everything that wants to come, we should let it, um, I want to try to identify some reasons why we may want to put some strict restrictions on the memory channel, even if the client can, quote, handle it, meaning even if there may be reasons for doing this, even if it doesn't cause the client to overheat, okay? First, when clients with complex trauma overactivate on the memory channel, it's not unusual for the body to feel very strongly like it did in that memory and also like it did in that developmental era. And the present body state as a result of that overactivation can serve as a magnet that can pull a lot, a lot of adjacent content in. And again, that content is adjacent in that it is, it's coming only because it has the same body feel and it's stored right there in that tight, very, very tight network um, of memory. But if we can avoid overactivation, right, if we can avoid activating too much memory content, a lot of the adjacent memory might might be resolved through generalization if we can just stay focused on the memory that we went through all the trouble to identify as our target in the first place. So again, with clients with complex trauma, there's so much stuff stored in little bitty tiny areas. We light a little piece of it and all of it wants to light up. Just because something wants to come to your picnic, that doesn't mean it's a good idea. So if it's not always a good idea to let everything on the memory channel that wants to come, come, I want to walk you through my own little very simple decision tree. The things that are going through my mind when the client says a memory or a group of memories want to come and I'm working with a client with complex trauma. The very first thing I'm thinking about is time, right? One of the most important jobs of an EMDR therapist is to keep a close eye on the clock. You need to be able to know what time it is. And if it's nearly time for closure, we're routing that information into a container 100% of the time. We don't open what we don't have time to process, or we may struggle to find the time to close. Let clients know this very, very often. Stuff is going to want to come as, as they're coming up from one memory. I almost describe it. You kind of clear out one house and boom, you're right there on the front porch of the next. Just because you're on the front porch of the next, that does not mean you have to go into that house. Another very important thing that is informing whether we container this content or whether we let the, we encourage the client to open it. So we've started with a particular individual memory. And one of the questions I'm asking is, how are you doing? How have you been doing 
distress-wise with what you already have out into awareness. So if you're struggling to digest, or in fact, if you're choking on the last few bites of the memory that we started with, it makes absolutely no sense to bring more content, right? And ask the client to digest more when, um, when they're kind of choking on the content that they have already. So the best time to let new content in um, is when we have both time for that content and the capacity to absorb the distress of it. Long story short, if the client's body-based uh, suds in this moment is a 7, 8, 9, 10, now is probably not a good time to open up another memory, even if we do have the time. Um, another thing I think about and I consider is, is this memory an adjacent memory? Or is this memory a feeder memory, this memory that wants to come? Um, there is a situation where we're going to want to pivot from the memory that we're working on to another memory. Um, and that situation, well, this doesn't happen as often as some trainers imply with clients with really complex trauma. I mean, it happens sometimes. It is not an every day, every week, every month thing. I mean, to be honest, it happens sometimes and you need to know about it, but it's not one of the biggest places that people get stuck in my estimation. So if the client is working, for instance, the client's working on a conflict with a boss and they tell you, oh, crap, this isn't about the boss. This is about that thing my dad said to me when I was six years old. Then we probably do, right? We do need to pivot to that earlier memory because the distress in this one is actually coming from the earlier one. Okay? We may need to, for this memory to clear, we may need to pivot and resolve this earlier one, but we don't necessarily have to do that today. That's a collaborative conversation between, you know, the therapist and the client. We can always just container all of it if the client thinks that's a good idea because we started here because the client wasn't prepared or didn't feel like they could go there. So I mentioned this distinction between an adjacent memory, which is coming because it's stored very closely to the, to the target memory and probably has the same body feel from a feeder memory in which an earlier memory right, is forming the distress in our target memory. So it is important to be able to quickly sort out the two, okay? So in conclusion, um, when you do initial reprocessing with clients with complex trauma, um, you're going to have information, right? Even if that information just helps you clarify their narrowness of their window of tolerance, even if that information is what we might, you know, call information about reaction, right, or information about difficulty processing. Um, information in EMDR is a gift, right? Um, quote, disasters in EMDR are gifts um, because they, they're giving us very, very, very important information about this client's nervous system and how it works. So it's also not just the sheer number of memories in direct awareness that can push a client out of their window of tolerance. In another podcast um, on EMDR's third weekend, you'll read about the videotape approach. There's a script for it um, where I talk about um, 
how going into one of the biggest memories and going into it at the worst part may be inadvisable for many clients with complex trauma. And Shapiro herself suggests alternatives. So again, if we're talking about the problems of memory and deciding whether to let memory content come in, how much memory content and how, how a lot of times when clients really struggle with EMDR, they're struggling because too much memory content is coming in too quickly. Let's also don't forget that one of the ways clients get pushed out of the window of tolerance isn't from the sheer volume, but it may be from the intensity that that memory content is coming into. So again, in review, clearing a memory will cause generalization if that memory resolves. If that memory doesn't resolve, it isn't going to cause much generalization. Said differently, clearing one memory may clear many adjacent memories. Healthy clients can let things connect, right? Remember that field with a pile here and a pile here and a pile here. Healthy clients can let things connect because there's so much space and they can move between those spaces with so much ease. Um, space between their piles of trauma. Clients with really complex trauma, again, they're kind of like the house of a hoarder that has just been obliterated by a tornado. In that case, we need to start by starting somewhere. We pick up one thing, ideally not a thousand pound chunk of the chimney. We pick up one thing and we put it somewhere and then we pick up something else. We can't move it all at once. We can't move everything that needs moved right here, right now. Clients need to know this. One of the things that really stinks about being someone who's carrying all of this stuff that was done to you is that the client has to be both the jail and the jailer. So memories don't get paroled when a riot is happening right here, right now. We have to do this work calmly. We have to do this work intentionally. And we start this work by starting one piece, one purposeful and careful step at a time.